Hello and welcome to the first edition of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle for 2022. We've got a couple of games to talk about, a couple to look forward to, and hopefully some more than we're currently anticipating to start 2022. But there's, as always, plenty of talking points across the NBL for us to discuss. We'll have a special guest and looking forward to catching up with Rob Beveridge once again. Thanks to Hoop 7 for making it possible. I'm Chris Pike. Happy New Year to everybody. But the man you've tuned in to hear from... The legend himself, the has-been, but the six-time <laughs> NBL champion, Damian Martin. Happy New Year from our Flush News Studios. Welcome to 2022. <laughs> Look, he's, uh, he's saying Flush News Studios <laughs> tongue-in-cheek because as we record this, we are sitting in Chris Pike's, what have, what have we got here, Nissan... This and something. Mm. It's, uh, mm. it's a strong breeze. This will blow off the road. We're sitting in the front seats. To be honest, I had to borrow, borrow Laura's car because her car was more of an office-friendly <laughs> setup. Go. So anybody in Morley right now, we're sitting <laughs> at a park with the studio set up in the front seat uh, in a bit of shade. So, yeah, one of the more random places we will come to you uh, with the show, but looking forward to it. Bring on 2022. Plenty of basketball. And with games getting delayed left, right, and center in mm. the NBL, that means you have time to tune into the NBA and vice versa. Absolutely. But as you said, a couple of good games we've already had in the NBL and Bevo, who I'm looking forward to always catching up with him. And he's always going to give us a, a black and white analysis. He uh, will tell the truth at all times and he will. won't hold back. That's for sure. And he might have some extra time on his hands at the moment too. So he's got plenty of time to give to give to us. Now, what this kind of reminds me of, Damo, I don't know if you've got kids listening, maybe maybe just switch off for the next next minute. But when, you, when you're younger and you, you've got a, got a girl that you like and <laughs> you, you live at home with your parents, you don't always get a lot of privacy at home. So... The, the car becomes a pretty convenient spot. So you try to find a place like this, maybe not during the middle of the day like this, but, you know, it brings back some memories of, of, of that to me. That's what this kind of reminds me of. And let's hope that we don't go down that path, Damo. But We're getting a glimpse into sea yeah. bikes uh, well, past yeah, as a maybe, teenager. Maybe it's just me. Maybe <laughs> I was the only one that had to, had to be creative with the spot you'd find. But plenty of adventures in cars. And now we've created it into a podcast studio. So... Very, very, very convenient. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yes, normally where we conduct this uh, is in an office space that I'm a part a part of. But uh, unfortunately, today I'm in between appointments yes. and Pike has made himself available to meet me. Uh, well, well, Damo, first of all, before we talk basketball, how did you bring in 2022? We were at uh, a friend of ours. Well, you talked Irving. about the party you were meant to have. Yeah, we ended up going. You get, we, got, we went. So I think the rules were no dancing allowed. <laughs> yes. uh, I think our kids broke that, the two to five-year-old group. Unless somebody got married. Did anyone get married? Well, I am a celebrant, yeah, so if all else fails, I'll just pronounce someone <laughs> husband and wife. No, the kids had a great old time. There's three families that got together, four families, sorry. So uh, a friend of mine who's got a lot to do with the Wanneroo Wolfpack uh, in the NBL One West, and then Greg Hire, his family. Uh, Jesse Wagstaff's obviously on the road, but his wife, Steph, and the kids came over, and, and then my wife and two little ones were there as well. So it's just a great night. Four close families. Kids were in the theatre singing and dancing and playing. And just well, they weren't dancing. Were no they? dancing, no. sorry, <laughs> as two to five-year-olds will do. Uh, and then the adults throughout the back having a bit of fun. So great way to bring in the new year uh, alongside some good mates. Yourself? Well, we had a game on Friday, on, on Friday night on New Year's Eve, so I was pretty stuck with that. <laughs> so by the time I was finished covering that, it was the, it was the Wildcats game against the Taipans, and by the time I was done with that, I was ready to go and sit on the couch, and I don't even know if I made it to, made it to midnight, to be honest. So not, not that thrilling, but we had an NBL game to, to talk about, and we've got to make the most of them right now because we don't, oh, get yeah. a, we don't get a lot of them. We've got two of them to talk about on this show. But before we get to it, plenty happening in the NBA. And Josh Giddy made history Incredible. early this week. The youngest player in NBA history to score a triple-double. We saw a glimpse of what he could do last season at the 36ers, but to do it in the NBA, it's it's pretty special when he's only just turned 19 years of age. It's amazing. And I know there was a few social media posts put up about it, but I hope everyone truly grasps just how incredible this is. The NBA has had a star-studded, you know, names on that list, but he is the youngest. And it's fitting that he's the youngest in the NBL to ever do it. Yep. Now he's the youngest in the NBA. And in both cases, I believe he he's passed taken, the mellow ball. Passed yeah. the mellow ball. So the NBL really is showing that can be a great platform to go from your first experience in the pros and catapult you into the NBA and similar style of play. And He's just going from good to great. Mm -hmm. And considering his age, he's still got seven <laughs> or eight years until he's coming into his prime years. Absolutely. So it's just amazing what Josh Giddy's doing. I think every Australian basketball fan is over the moon, uh, happy for him, and we'll consider to see more triple doubles now that he's had mm. his, He's had a double-double recently, yep. and points weren't even included. That's right. It was rebounds and assists. Yep. So I think we knew it was only a matter of time before he got his first uh, triple-double. 
on the other side of things, Brad Newley, <laughs> remarkable story. Um, you came up with, with Newells and you obviously mm-hmm. won a world championship with him. You played against him for a, for a lot of years. You played with him for the Boomers for a lot of years. He just got traded this week from the from the LA Lakers to the New York Knicks. A remarkable story. And, <laughs> it's, I don't know where to go with this because until, well, he, did, he got drafted by the Houston yep. Rockets, I believe, yep. you know, 15-odd years ago. Mm-hmm. They owned his rights. They obviously traded to the Lakers at some stage. Why they've come about trading the right, his NBA rights, who knows, but it's good fun. It shows you just how, well, Brad's always been a quality player, but in particular when he did get drafted, the Houston Rockets genuinely believed he'd be in a Rockets jersey mm. at some stage. And these days, I believe he would have been in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Back then, there was maybe only Andrew Bogan, no, the only Australian. Right uh, but things have changed slightly, style of play, more international players in the league, and had Brad done what he was doing 15 years ago today yep. he would have been in a, in the NBA and <laughs> with all accounts in a Knicks jersey so <laughs> no it's, it's good fun yeah. and Brad is actually my wife's cousin mm. so going back we we're actually in Lithuania representing the boomers and I was chatting on Facebook to this girl called Brittany Morgan and uh, <laughs> I turned to Brad and said oh Brad you've you're a mutual friend on Facebook with a, a girl who I think is quite cute. And he said, who's that? And I said, oh, Brittany Morgan. And he said, why do you ask? And Ooh. he got serious all of a sudden. <laughs> I've known Brad about 10 years at yep. this point. And I said, oh, well, uh, what, what's going on? I think she's cute. Why are you upset? And he goes, that's my cousin. Mm. <laughs> so uh, turns out I'm not even the best basketballer in the family. Brittany played professionally with the Lynx and Brad's and you, obviously and, a dual and, Olympian. And of course you were single at this point, Damo. Yes, of course. Of course. No, I was definitely single at that point. <laughs> uh, so that's how the, the story of Brittany and I got started. Unlike a car at a park by Steve Pike. <laughs> uh, and then the other news. Great seeing some NBL guys. We spoke about them last week. Well, yeah, exactly. Not only are they getting a chance, guys like Kiefer, Kiefer Sykes and Cam Oliver and, and Scotty Hobson, but... As we're recording this, Kiefer Sykes this morning was, last time I checked, he had already hit five, five three-pointers, <laughs> the game that was played just this morning. Look, he can flat out shoot the ball, he can flat out score. It is awesome. I think it's just show, showing you the bridge between, or the gap between the NBL and NBA. If you are a skillful, dominant player in the NBL, it probably shows you can play in the NBA. Sure. Sykes was just that. He was great. Uh, Hobson, you know anyone who hasn't listened to it go back and there's a clip of when the commentator was talking mm. about Scotty Hobson's journey mm. to get to the NBA been in and out twice been to six different countries I want to say just a brilliant story of a guy who never gave up and uh, and is now getting to be in an NBA team just remarkable the journey he's been on and Cam Oliver I mean he he was brilliant <laughs> in the NBL yeah. that first season in particular that one-two combo with Scotty Machado mm-hmm. and now he's doing it on the biggest stage in the highest league of basketball I just love it it's just great seeing guys that you've played against yep. or watched in the nbl not only being on nba rosters but out there and showcasing they they deserve that deserve Absolutely. to be there yeah i love the story of cam oliver because he was ready to just about give up mm. when he came out to the taipans he'd had a, had a really rough injury run the last two years he thought the nba was beyond him coming out to Cairns was his last chance he was yeah. going to give it one more crack and then he was just about ready to to give up and, and now look where he is now so it's a fantastic story um We've got two games in the NBL to talk about. One of them was on New Year's Eve. It was it was up in Cairns. Um, we talked when we spoke last week about this game. We we talked a lot about what Tajima call his role would be in this game, who, <laughs> who he would try try to guard, how he would have to run the point for the Taipans, how he would have to score their most points. Then on shoot around, he slips on the floor at the oh. convention center, hurts his knee, doesn't play. What was your reaction when you heard that? To be honest, I thought blowout, blowout yeah, coming yeah. up. I thought Bryce and Vic, without McCall guarding one of them, is going to go for 30 plus. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I was with Greg Hire and, and Jesse Wagstaff's wife. Mm-hmm. We're sitting on the couch watching this game. And before you knew it, the Wildcats are down 23 to 5. Mm-hmm. Yep. Could yep. not believe it. Without McCall, without uh, Machado, no Jarek. Just Mind-boggling. It was. The, they, the Taipans were amazing. It wasn't just the scoreline either. I don't know if I've seen the Wildcats look so flustered. The The Taipans' defense took them completely out of it. I mean, we saw turnovers. It wasn't the, the fact mm. that they were so much shooting badly. They weren't getting shots off. They were turning the ball over. I mean, Bryce had his shot. There was a layup that he had blocked by Majuk Deng. Yeah, there, was yeah. another, there was another air ball that he, that he chucked up. I haven't seen, especially from Bryce, but the whole team looked so flustered in that first probably seven or eight minutes. I'd say in years gone by, back when I was lacing up the boots, Cairns have done that a few times. Yep. They've jumped us out of the blocks. They've caused that frustration. And I don't know why it is, but yeah, I would say that that mentality or the mindset, whatever it is when you head up to the far north, yeah, you never want to disrespect Cairns. Maybe the McCall mm. getting ruled out on game day. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not saying they went in there thinking, okay, it's going to be easy. No one ever thinks that, but yeah, it would. It's a subconscious thing, though, that you naturally yeah. do Everyone, think. Everyone's human, yeah. and when the, the opposition's best two players are ruled out, you know, there could have been that little sense there. Uh, but, you know, credit to Bryce in particular. But what do, how, do you, <laughs> how do you describe what Bryce did? Because he had a really bad first quarter. And then he scores 19 points and hits four threes in the in the second. That, it was just an incredible quarter of basketball to watch. Uh, one of those individual performances, you remember where you were when you watched it. Jermaine Bill dropping 40 on Melbourne. Mm. I remember that game. Yep. Bryce going for 19 in a quarter. That pullback, step back, whatever you want to call it, is three. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a brilliant player. And when the team needed him most up in uh, the north north of Queensland, he uh, yeah put on a show to behold and be remembered for a long time. 29 points between the second and third quarter. Mm. enough to not only get him in the game but build a slight lead and they managed to hold on but credit to Dang 27 points 7 rebounds 4 steals he was the Taipan's best player and just brilliant from start to stop one of those funny games where I think both teams kind of came out of it feeling like they got a lot out of it if you're the Taipans you're never happy to lose but given I can I think you can make a case that Machado, Jerry, and McCall are probably their three mm. most important players especially with what Moko can do as a shooter and they're probably their 1, 2 and 3 starters so the fact that they played so well and went so close, I think Adam Ford wouldn't have been too disappointed with what he got out of it. And from the Wildcats' point of view, you're just relieved that you got the win after starting so badly. Yeah, and because there's been a long gap between games, obviously yeah. they're supposed to play Adelaide. That's been delayed again. You know, they would have watched that first quarter. So the day after the game, yeah, we've won, well done, but we cannot allow this because we may not mm. be as fortunate to have mm. Bryce go for 19 yep. in the second quarter. So they would have watched that, you know, that start they had. But then they would have been like, all right, guys, that's the bad. Mm. Tomorrow there's some positives to take out of this game. And there were plenty of positives because guys had to step up when it mattered. You know, Majuk Majuk again. I I know I talk about him each time. He's big time just winning extra possessions. Obviously, Law finishes with 17. Travers gets some huge blocks, big plays. I know he had the 10 points, but he's... Bread and butter was at that defensive end. Uh, Frazier, nine. He got the start. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if he continue, maintains that starting position, in particular when Todd Blanchfield comes back. It was great to see Mitch Norton mm. get some minutes under his belt. So there were positives. And Hodgson as well. Hodgson got yeah. his first minutes. So plenty of positives. Uh, Jesse continued his form. But, yeah, I think, as you said, both clubs will go. The, the positives outweigh the negatives. Mm. But, unfortunately, for Forty and his, and his men, they uh, started very well but couldn't continue on. I want to get your thoughts on Bull Kowal. He's mm-hmm. a rookie. Yeah. He's probably not a point guard genuinely, but he has to be a point guard right now because of the situation they're in. So you were a point guard. What do you learn, firstly, from being a starting point guard on a team like that, but then also he was given the job on Bryce Cotton for most of the game. What does a guy in his first season as a pro learn from playing on on Bryce for four quarters? Oh, a massive amount. One... You now know what the speed is and the skill set is to guard the best in the league. So whether that's a positive or a negative or whether he's gone, you know what, I can't actually keep mm-hmm. up with this guy, but I've got to be careful of opening up too much yeah. to send him left because then he's going to get a laneway and he can pull back going right. Like He would have learned so much mm-hmm. despite the amount of points that Bryce went for, despite the fact that it was in a loss. He's a better player for it mm-hmm. because he was out there playing against Bryce, against Law, against these guys who've had experience. And then on the flip side, to control a team at the point guard position, in particular when it's not hey, I'll kick the ball ahead to Machado to get him in an on-ball situ- situation. Machado's not out there. Yeah. Okay, I'll r- run a staggered screen, pin downs for Jarek to get him you know, going right, left, mm. footwork on the three-point line. No, he's not out there. Mm. So you actually have to think, am I just going to get us into the flow, into offensive structure, or run specific plays? I thought he was great. I thought he really handled himself out there, both controlling the game at the offensive end and getting it after it defensively. And despite the loss, to put together 13 points, five rebounds, four assists, and not look out of place mm-hmm. whatsoever playing big minutes, you know, it was a huge upside, not only for the Taipans, but for him as an individual going to back himself going mm-hmm. forward. Then New Year's Day, we saw the Tasmania Jack Jumpers hosting Melbourne United. Jack Jumpers started well. I think they were 10 points up early in the second quarter, but Melbourne overwhelmed them in the end just with too much talent and too much firepower, really. Um, what did you make of this game and... Again, I feel like it's a game where both teams took a bit out of it. Melbourne relieved that they got the win that they would have expected. But Tasmania, especially defensively, to hold that Melbourne team to 76, I think would have been reasonably happy, especially with the size disadvantage they had there. Already the smallest team in the league, but they yeah. didn't have Will Magnay either. Yeah, the the size did hurt them. Uh, the rebounds, you just would need to get more possessions to mm. be able to stay in a game against a, a star-started Melbourne United. Look, Adams was the the standout for me. He just seemed way more aggressive from the start. Yep. I'm going to get on the ring. I'm either going to get layups, dunks, or get sent to the free-throw line. And then when he got a bit of rhythm, all right, I'll start dropping threes yep. now if you go under a screen. So I thought he was spectacular, the best player on the court for either team. So he's doing that now the last couple of games mm-hmm. he's 
He's pocketed his three ball until he's feeling good. Does Josh Majet now have to do the same? Because some of those three-point shots he's taking are, are pretty average. Yeah, four of 21 from the field and deep and early yeah, in the clock. I, I can understand it if, you know, it's a late shot clock situation or the ball's been reversed a few times, you're open. But, yeah, there might be a few where Scott Roth is uh, going to ask him, hey, was this the right time yep. and place? Well, let's be honest. How relieved are you as the defense when he's taking those shots? Well, to be honest, you're not relieved because he's not a non-shooter shooting yeah. them. Uh, you know, I remember when Bryce went, what was it, 14 consecutive misses <laughs> from yeah. behind the arc. Yeah. Every time he shot the ball from behind the arc, I guarantee the person guarding going, oh, no, that's on me sure. because you just expect it to go in now Majet is a renowned shooter you know and mm-hmm. he's got a good technique so this four of 21 I know he's in a bit of a, a shooting slump right now it's back-to-back games uh, but when he's open and he lets it rip the defender is still thinking oh no I better mm-hmm. have contested that or it's going to show up on film so he'll come out of it but right now you want to find other ways to have a bigger impact on the game especially as an import yeah. and especially on a team that's going to give you so many opportunities to score you know he's not an import on Melbourne United he's not mm-hmm. an import for other teams where there's four or five yep. scorers he and Adams have to be the leading scorers they have to be yeah. Game in, game out. Maybe Magna will step up. Clint Stoner gets hot. But they're the two. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's Adams, but not enough from a jet. But if he's getting 21 looks, you take away a handful of those, get him in better spots, and they start to drop. If he can go, you know, 8 or 15, mm. you know, that's a huge upside to, you know, f- for the Jack Jumpers to have. So those were the couple of games in round five, demo. Let's keep moving on to our, our rewards for this week. Now, I'm not sure if you've had a good think about this or not, but we've got the demo Best Defensive Award, thanks to Everlast Drinks. We'll add in the games from round four for this, so we'll do a combined effort from rounds four and five, but I'm not sure if you've done your homework. No, we're going to put this up online. I mean, okay. obviously... <laughs> There's a few guys that stand out with block shots, rebounds. You know, Deliver Dover, he will get some points. He's just up and in everything. Despite Adams, you know, mm. you know, obviously having his way, he just never takes a possession off. But this is one I'm going to have to go back uh, across the two <laughs> rounds. <laughs> in other words, I'm just trying to buy myself some time to go back over the other two games because <laughs> I forgot that they're no. going into this week. Someone who did do their homework was Sean Reddy. Oh, of course the, he did. The scoring machine. <laughs> um, thanks to Reddy's Basketball. He gave his votes in the Player of the Year Award. Um, he's got quite a love affair with Bryce, let's be honest, probably like, like you do. So, <laughs> so Bryce got his five votes again, and now Bryce has got a handy lead up on top of the, the leaderboard. Mm. Caleb Agata, we include his massive game from, from last week, I think, in that too. So he had, he had a really good round for Melbourne United. Joe Lowell Achula as well with the three. Josh Adams, two really good games. He yeah. probably could have even been higher yeah. on that list. And Majuk Deng, I want to get your thoughts on him because he's now always had this ability, but now with this type ends team, they need him to step up as their go-to man and... He's showing that he's more than capable. Yeah, exactly. I remember in our preseason predictions, I put yep, it was either going to be him or Coy, I thought, yep. were going to be most improved. Deng's the one that really has stepped up. And he's not doing anything I don't think anyone ever thought he wasn't capable of mm-hmm. doing. It's just that he's doing it more often. Yep. And so it's the same shots he was taking a year ago, uh, but he's probably getting a few more looks, a few mm-hmm. more dropping. He's going off the dribble. He's using that length and size. Look, he is a quality player, still finding his feet in the NBL after a serious injury, you know, mm-hmm. injury plague season. Yeah, the, the longer he's out there the better he'll be but you're seeing that he's capable of putting up big numbers and I think eventually he'll be the go-to guy purely from a scoring sense because Scotty Machado is their best player but he's not necessarily their best scorer Mm. same as McCall whereas I think Dang will be eventually their go-to guy when we need a bucket are you surprised that the old scoring machine has Bryce so far ahead already in the play of the year voting Look, obviously Vic Law would have stolen votes uh, in other people's minds. The reality is the Wildcats don't win that game if it's not for Bryce Cotton. He was incredible. Possibly, well, in Sean's mind, the best individual performance or team, you know, reason a team won over the course of those four games. And yeah, but he's the only player in double figure voting. According to yeah, told Sean look, so far, no surprise because of how the voting is done. If it was you get you know twenty votes game. and you can yeah. do it game by game, that's a different thing. But over the course of one weekend, some of the performances put on three or four in particular uh, the games, it just means you're always going to get points because he is spectacular. Mm. He is the best player in the league as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, th- absolutely, it's just that he's got another first team All NBL candidate next to him uh, in Vic mm-hmm. Law. Absolutely. Now before we get to Rob Beveridge, really looking forward to picking his brain. The Galen Award for this week. Mm. Damo, the best team man, named in honour of Galen Young. We've limited on options this week. Now, you never like when I do this. I think there's a standout on that list that I've <laughs> I've given you. So out of Xavier Cooks, Jack White, Matthew Delavadova, Sam McDaniel, Keanu Pinder, and Luke Travers, 
did somebody jump out at you that, that had a big impact on their team winning games without necessarily coming up with big numbers at the end of it? Look, I mentioned Luke Travers. I thought he was big time in that comeback, in particular in the fourth quarter. A couple of huge blocks, back-to-back blocks, huge rebounds. Deliver Dover is just always there. You know, he will never give up on any any play. Jack White, I think, is a bigger version of Della Vadova. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I think Delhi should guide him, uh, treat him as a younger brother and say, here's how it's done. Uh, Sam McDaniel, I, I like Sam. Uh, mm. Xavier Cooks, I'm a big fan of. I think everyone knows that. Keanu was a high energy guy, <laughs> a huge yep. reason why Cairns got away to the start they did. But I'm going to go ahead. Love you, Xavier, but I'm going to give it to Sam McDaniel. Mm. The Jack Jumpers just need that little bit extra. And he's providing it without the wins right now. But if you pay attention to Sam, now he started for Melbourne on a championship yeah, he year. Did. Yeah. And people questioned it at times. But I think that the pickup that Scott and the team at Tassie have done, you know, he just that big, strong body, never gives up, doesn't mind guarding one through three, and just seems to be doing a little bit of everything to help his teammates. In, in particular, first to pick him up off mm. the floor, going for extra rebounds, boxing out, say, I know you've got a standout and I've got a <laughs> feeling based on your reaction. It's not Sam. It's not, but I'm very happy with it. Okay, who you going with? Who's yours? I thought Jack White, just yeah. because because I thought he was instrumental in them turning that game against Tasmania by def- his defensive efforts and his energy levels. And it's a great story for him to come back. But Sam McDaniel, underrated for a whole year last year yeah. at Melbourne, what he did on that championship team. And and he's that glue guy that's keeping everything together for Tasmania. So I'm very, very happy with that demo. So we'll go with Sam McDaniel on the Galen Award. And now we'll take a deep breath. And when we come back, we'll leave from Bevo. Okay, back on Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustling. Very excited for the second time now on this season to be joined by the master coach himself, Rob Beveridge. I know it's probably not a great honour for you to join us, but it's an honour for us to have you on our show. <laughs> and how, how did you spend the Christmas year? What did what, what you do for Christmas and then bring in the new year? Yeah, it's, uh, we, we end up going down to my sister-in-law's place in Canberra for the day, which was good. Yeah, it was a lovely day. And then we ended up going up to Queensland for a week uh, to um, see my sister I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, but unfortunately, um, we had to cut it short because uh, Jade and my eldest and uh, his cousins, they all got COVID. <sighs> so we had to jump in the car, 10 and a half hour trip back from the Gold Coast because uh, uh, we just had to get back home and get in isolation. So here, here we go again. And how, I mean, how's everybody feeling? The obvious question. Yeah, look, it's to be honest, um, I have zero symptoms at all. I feel 100% fine. Uh, Jaden, who's been hit the, the hardest, it's pretty much a, a flu. You know, he's got, he's got the flu. He's been in bed for a couple of days, but he's up and about today. He's, you know, watching the cricket or trying to watch the cricket. But, but that, that's what it is. I mean, people got sort of sore throats and a tight chest, but that's pretty much it. Um, and we've done our PCR test, but because of the backlog, it'll take a few days for the results to come through. But we assume that we're probably all, all positive um, with COVID. Uh, but you know, there's nothing really, really that bad about it. So we've been double back, so I've been triple back. So maybe, maybe. That's one of the reasons why. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that in a bad situation that it, uh, it's not, not, it could be a lot worse. But in saying that, that's a long drive home and, uh, yeah. and a way to start the 2020 year. After last time we spoke, you're adamant, nah, I know I'm going to coach in Rockingham, but I'm not doing any more isolation, any more nah. quarantining. I feel like we jinxed you, mate. Apologies. It's all Pikey's fault. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, so uh, I'll be going up to 60 days now. So, yeah, yeah but. Uh, so I'm a veteran at it, but uh, yeah, no, it's all good though, all good. You're still co- going to be coaching in the New Zealand NBL for the last time this season. When are you meant to be heading over there and and their borders are now closed again? I mean, is that going to be any sort of a hurdle for you? Are you going to be able to get over there? So, yeah, yes, it is a hurdle. Um, like like most things have been the last couple of years. Um, I'm going over there uh, beginning of March. So I think March 7, I'm booked to go over there. And part, I've been classified as a, a critical worker okay, yep. and stuff like that. Somehow, I don't know how they do it, but, um, you know, I'm They must have some low standards. <laughs> yeah, they do, very. Yeah, it's like, they're pretty desperate to get me over there. Um, but part of that is I've got to do another seven days uh, quarantine as well. But, you know, we're hoping that common sense will prevail. Uh, you know, if I've got COVID now, uh, it's, it's nothing for me. 
Uh, but I've been triple vaxxed and it's just hope common sense prevails and you know, they do open the borders up and we can all get on with our lives. Mate, you did mention uh, Canberra and not everyone may realise this, but is it was it Jesse Wagstaff mum was your teacher? Is that the story? That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. So she was my primary school teacher and uh, you know, I've I've known Jesse since he was a, a little baby and so, uh, yeah, to this very day, still stay in touch with, with Barb. Uh, Barb and my mum live across the road from each other. They're, they're very, very close friends. So I see Barb quite a lot. And, uh, you know, we bring up the memories of when she was my primary school teacher, I think it was year two or year three or something like that. Mate, you've got to give us an insight. Jess is obviously the current Wildcats captain. They're five and one. They're rolling. What was he like as a kid? Was he honestly studying engineering and reading books as a two-year-old? It wouldn't surprise me. He has been a nerd his whole life. You know, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, from the minute he was born, you know, he was just a super smart kid, and you know, I think that he probably wanted to go to university instead of going to primary school. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's, he's always been super smart. And what's he up to? His fifth or sixth degree now? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the things the Wildcats have been great at is if you pass educational courses outside of basketball, they'll reimburse you for the fees. Mm. And I dare say Jesse's cost the club six <laughs> figures by now. He's got two more engineering degrees, an MBA. That's a uh, yeah, hell of an achievement he's got off the court whilst playing for the Cats. And I can almost guarantee he won't use any of them. No, his dream job is to assemble IKEA furniture. That's true. Like he, he actually had a company, and uh, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, he might get a job at IKEA or something like that. Yeah, he had a company, an online company called Jassembled. It was Jesse Assembles Your Flat Packs. Really? Yeah, wow. I think the only two jobs he ever had were from our old team manager Brett Havercroft. His parents hired him twice, and Jesse felt bad taking money off them, so instead they gave him some tools. Wow, <laughs> so, wow. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe Jesse will relaunch his website. Yeah, well, Jesse's dad was also my woodwork teacher in year seven. Oh, wow. As well. So, yeah, you know, I've, I've known his mum and dad. Uh, you know, they both taught me at school. So, certainly it's a small world. It's fitting that he was a woodwork teacher. I didn't realise that, but he's just completed building a boat. Has he? Jesse's dad's built his own wooden boat. Uh, yep. Yeah, out there on the south coast of New South Wales. So, oh, very good. Oh, look, we'll get away from Jesse. Don't want to give him a big head. Uh, <laughs> give us your thoughts. What on are the chances of Jesse ever listening to this show, Damo? I like to think he tunes in weekly. G'day yeah, to Jesse. Okay. I know you're out there uh, somewhere on the East Coast. <laughs> Who knows where you're going to play or when, but uh, <laughs> well, if yeah. no, no chance. He's got no chance yeah, of tuning yeah. in. Uh, but, but Bevo, it's basketball. What do you make of everything? You've got potentially got COVID right now. We've got more games delayed because of COVID, but there has been some basketball, albeit minimal, uh, in between the last time we've spoken. Oh, look, it, it's been, I mean, I'm trying to watch as much as I can, but, you know, when you, you find out the day off that it gets cancelled, you know, I wanted to go and watch, the, you know, the, the Hawks play live and things like that. And so it's been it's been a nightmare. But uh, what I have seen, it's like the, the, the team, most of the teams, they just haven't gelled just yet. You know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the shooting the ball, they're, they're lower scoring games, uh, things like that. But I think it's just because there's, they just haven't played enough games. There's just inconsistency. I mean, you can try and shoot as much as you like, but until you actually you know, get out there and uh, under full pressure, uh, it, it's really difficult. But uh, you know, right right now, you know, Perth, Perth are obviously doing exceptionally well, but they've also played well, most of their games at home. So they've got a little bit of stability, and I think the results show that way. They also haven't um, played Melbourne. They haven't played Illawarra. They haven't played some of the, the top teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, it's just because of the border restrictions. Yeah. They've got no choice, but they have to play those teams and they're, they're, they're probably you know lower, lower ranked teams at this stage. Um, so it, it's always going to be a big test uh, you know, when they do you know, the, you know, the Melbournes and South East Melbourne, Illawarra, you know, that, those types of teams you know, when, when they're playing. That'll be a true test to see where they're at. I want you to put your coach's hat on for a couple of teams and I want to get your thoughts on how you would handle... Firstly, the Adelaide 36ers. So they played their last game way back in, I think it was December 18, I think it was, and they they, they were horrible against the Cairns Taipans. And now they haven't played since. They've had players, you know, in, in COVID isolation. They haven't really got to spend much time on court. They were meant to play this Friday night. That won't be happening now, so they don't play again now until next Wednesday. How would If you were CJ Bruton, how would have you handled having such a long break and having all these interruptions when your last game was such a such a horrible one? Oh, look, um, I mean, it gives them more time to try and reflect. But, mm. uh, you know, it, I mean, after watching that game, that, that was one of the most pitiful games I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, not not so much from a, a you know a technical perspective, but the, effort. The, the, yeah. the effort was as bad as I've ever seen. Um, I mean, they talked about Sydney Kings, you know, 
I think, you know, the week before or whatever it was, they, they were just as horrible, you know, and you know, I, I couldn't care less if it was COVID or any excuse, um, a player can control their effort levels and, uh, you know, if I was CJ, I, I would have been putting my foot up their backside big time and, you know, being pretty hard on them and understanding that they, these players are in a, a place of, um, that they're role models, that they... They're very lucky to be a professional player. Mm. You, know, so you, you know, Damo, it's, it's a great life uh, to be a professional player. And then when it's all over, it becomes very, very difficult. But, you know, I think a lot of these players have got a sense of entitlement. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, the effort that they produce was terrible. So if I was CJ, I'd be pretty matter-of-fact with them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, play people with effort or you're not playing. Yeah, great point. The, the, other one I, the other one I wanted to get your thoughts on was the New Zealand breakers. How do you now handle this situation where they're – unlikely to get home at all now this season to play home yeah. games. They've lost their first six games of the season. They don't seem to be clicking on the on the court. I mean, Dan Shamir seems like a great guy. He seems to genuinely love his players and he's doing what he can. But, I mean, how do you handle the situation there? Right? Oh, it's it's one of those things. It's uh, they're, they're, they're so close but so far. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been... You know, they've got a very, very talented team. And, you know, I, don't, I can't put my finger on why they're not uh, winning games when they've been in plenty of games to win. And then, you know, they just can't put teams away. You know, they're, they've blown some big leads. You know, they went overtime against, uh, you know, the, the Hawks and stuff like that. So I think they're, they're, they're having a crack, but they just can't win at the moment. And, and winning solves all problems. You know, I think if they they just got to get on the, the, the winning list, then then things can happen after that. But it's so tough on them. And they played what, you know, they're, they're, they're away from family. They're away from, you know, home support. Um, very difficult situation. So this is two years in a row. And, you know, I feel for, feel for the breakers. With the roster itself, when you look at that team, you know, who is their stud? You know, everyone knows of the Wildcats game on the line. It's going to Bryce. Yeah. You know, maybe even Vic now, but so but it's clear cut. Great roster, but it's those two guys. With New Zealand, it feels like there's a lot of similar studs at the same level, yeah. but no clear cut, okay, this is who we're going to all, all in on. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, they're very guard, guard heavy. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of very similar players and stuff like that, but you, you've got to have an alpha dog in the team. You know, you've got to have great role players. Uh, but you've got to have that that stud. You know, when things go to shit, you just throw the ball to them. And I, I'm like you. It's like, who is it? You know, is it Ken Delaney? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's definitely getting better every year. Um, you know, but I, I don't know who their go-to player is when well, it really, really counts. Does Finn just have to become that player? Does he have to take the bull by the horns now and just demand the ball when when it matters? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, when people find out, you know, their roles in the team and who's got it, and right now they, they need to fix that real quick because they do have a very talented team. But they've got to have somebody that's going to like step up and you know, you know, give me the ball. I mean, geez, how good would it be to, you know, I would have loved to have Bryce Cotton on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, for when you go to shit, here you go, give the ball to Bryce, let him go. Oh, I, think I know that's was, what Damo did. Damo's come down the floor. I think it was more so the point guard at the time had to run the right place for Bryce and make him look good. But then we won't dive into that. That's okay. <laughs> also had an almost record-setting shooting percentage one season, didn't you, Damo? Yeah, and then Bryce came along and put the pressure on me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The better, the longer you retired, the better you were. So I'm embracing that with two horns and running with it. Uh, look, oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, McDowell White, oh, just the last question on the breakers. Did you see him much as a youngster? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, through all the junior stuff, you know, I definitely followed him and exceptionally talented. There, there, there's no doubt. And uh, I think this year he's been like, uh, you know, arguably the best player for the Breakers. Mm. Um, you know, but but the thing is, you know, as I, you know, he, he's the point guard and, uh, you know, he's still a facilitator. He's an amazing pass through the ball, things like that. Very, very talented, great athlete. Uh, all of those things, you know, a big point guard. He's got a lot of things there, but uh, you know, he needs to have you know that that scoring guard next to him that can absolutely flat out score, and, that, and that's we're not we're not seeing at the moment. And when you go and watch these games, do you still find yourself watching, whether it's at home on your couch on the TV, live watching the Hawks, wherever it may be? Do you still find yourself as a coach, or can you just be purely a spectator these days when you sit and watch a game? No, hundred percent, coach. Um, <laughs> I mean, although I'm not coaching the NBL, I mean, obviously I've been coaching you know, in uh, New Zealand. Uh, you know, I've done stuff with the national programs, things like that. So I'm still going to be involved in a lot of those things. So I've got my coach's hat on. 
And I do. I sit back and go, what? What, what is that? What is that crap? <laughs> you know, like, like seriously, what are they trying to do here? And you know, you listen to some of the coaches' timeouts, and you know, you try and work out, well, what, what are you actually trying to say? Um, you know, and you know, there could be three or four things, and it's all over the place. So no, I, I still 100% have my uh, coach's hat on. You know, it's very, very difficult to uh, and watch. I mean, I'd like to be able. to, uh, I mean, not, this has come up 30 years. I've been doing it. I don't know if I can't watch a game just for the sake of watching a game. I like to picture Bevo sitting on his couch, glass of red wine, yelling at the TV. Your poor wife, Sue Allen, walks in and out of the room. Here we go again, another 40 minutes of it. Yeah, the only good thing is you can rewind it and you look again and you think, yeah, like, what was Ding Ding doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it was comical. You well, know, but anyway. You've seen some great floppers in your time. Have you ever seen anything quite like that, Bevo? No, nah, never. Mm. No. Nah. No, never in my life. You know, it was it was emba- yeah, it was it was embarrassing. I mean, you, you, you get people that you know fl- flop a lot and things like that, but yeah, that that was one of the the, the worst. You know, yeah, it's not even a flop. It was that bad. It made Sean and Jesse look like they held their ground pretty, yeah. pretty strongly, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. I mean, yeah. I just <laughs> shake my head and go, and what, what was he thinking? That uh, you know, he, he, he's very famous now around the world for, for that, yep, not yep. as a player. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Hey, keeping your coach's hat on, then the Tassie Jack Jumpers—they seem so close to getting a few more wins. They've got two so far. They pushed Melbourne the whole way. You've been there early days, West Sydney Razorbacks. We transitioned into the Sydney Spirit, which is essentially a, a startup. You know, Scott Roth. 18 months he was over there before they even tipped off for their first game. Hadn't seen his wife for a long time, as we've already spoken about. You spend long periods of time on the road away from Sue Ellen and the kids. How do you think Scott's feeling right now, and, and how do you you know judge the performances to date? Oh, look, I, I think Scott's doing an amazing job. Yeah, they're, they're one of the you know the better coach teams in the league I'm seeing at the moment. Uh, he, he doesn't have, uh, like, superstar talent. You know, he's got a, a whole bunch of uh, very good role players. You know, I think he's doing an amazing job with with his systems, like his defensive systems of how he's defending. He's giving their team a chance to, to win with not a whole lot of talent. And I think that, that shows that he's a, he's a very good coach. And, 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 and being away, you know, for, for him to be away from his, his family for a long period of time, I, I get it. it. It's really, really difficult. And what, what got me through that type of thing is probably what um, Scott's doing as well. Is His team is his family. And I think mean, he's very tight with his plays. He, he's, um, you know, I think that, that that's going to be what will get him through. But, you know, at the end of the day, coaching, it, it is quite lonely at times. Uh, so it's very important that you have a, a very small inner circle of people that are, are there through, you know, the good and the bad. Because, uh, I mean, right now, he, he's got a tough job this year. They're, they're probably uh, going to win a whole lot of games, but they're going to be in the games. Uh, so any win they get is going to be uh, pretty uh, pretty good for him. Yeah, I agree. I think Scott's fantastic as a coach. Got to know him a little bit with the one season. As an assistant coach and just a great guy on and off the court. And, mate, I know you're busy. We've got to let you go shortly. 2022, do you set new goals, New Year's resolution? What's it look like in the beverage household turn of a new season, new year? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm I'm going back to New Zealand and uh, I, I loved it over there. Um, I've got a tremendous group of, of players. The management's outstanding. And my goal is to, to try and win a championship over there and and then after that it's like okay that, that could be the end of my uh, seasonal coaching career so I want to make sure that you know the next six months you know I'm just going to have the, the best time with a great group of players and a great organisation so that's what I'm doing and then you know come come August I'll be moving back to Perth permanently full time and I consider Perth home so you know we're all very very excited about coming back home to Perth and being with our, our friends that who are our family, and uh, I think that that's that's probably the things that we're really excited about. Oh, mate, we can't wait to have you back out west. I, I genuinely mean that. I'm excited to be able to catch up face to face, opposed to sitting next to Pikey uh, while while you're in isolation on the other side of the country. You can join us face to face; it'd be great. Yep, can't can't wait, guys. Thanks very much, Bevo. We better let you go, but we'll do it all again in a month's time and get a full preview of your New Zealand season once we do. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Bevo. Thanks, Bevo.
Okay, Damo, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and it was a lot of fun again, as always, talking to, to Bevo. Let's hope it's not the last time you get to do that. We will see where you're at next time we come back with Bevo later on in the in the, in the season. But um, he'll be heading towards New Zealand very soon. So we look forward to catching up on how his team's shaping up over there. But great insights. I loved what he had to say about, about the 36ers, um, especially in what CJ Bruden had to do. Mm. But plenty of things to talk about before we get to the games in round six of the NBL demo. And... We've seen the first import sent home. Before he even <laughs> played a game, on the court. we never <laughs> saw him for the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Devin Thomas, now you're an NBL player for a long time. What would it take to breach your contract multiple times, which is what the Phoenix have cited as the reason for his departure? Oh, look, if if he, there's one thing to breach a contract, which probably has an outside influence looking negative, you know, mm. you upset yeah. a sponsor or yep. you upset a member. But when you're if you pre- drink alcohol, if your sponsors alcohol, like think that, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. We had a number of years with them on our front. But then, then there's other types of breaches where no, it goes against who we stand for, our core values and our morals. Now, if those breaches have happened more than once, then yeah, I'd, I think they've made the right decision. The reality is, you know, if you've got a patented behaviour that's taking away more than you're putting back into the group, mm-hmm. and in particular when you're injured, don't get me wrong, it can be really hard mentally. He's moved abroad, playing in a different league, hasn't stepped foot on the court. Maybe it's hard to adhere to all these, you know, rules and regulations. Yep. I actually don't know what the contract breaches were. No. But at the end of the day, if the team got together, and I dare say the leadership group would have been involved in the decision, if they get together with the CEO, the decision makers, and say, this is what's happened, this is our recommendation for, now, for what we should do as a punishment, what do you guys think? You know, they've all got to be on the same page because the club – is just that. It's a club. Yep. The players are as important as the front office. Front office is important as the spectators, as the sponsors. But collaboratively, if they get together and say, yep, he's not helping us win a championship, put bums on seats, be family friendly and, and be good role models to the kids watching, yep, get rid of them. Unfortunately, no mm. player is bigger than the team they're playing for. Do any other imports spring to mind who might be feeling the pressure a little bit now, especially while these teams have got some some time to think about it? There's, this is probably the time to, to make a move if you if you do want to. Well, it's two ways. There's always pressure on an import. There's some guys that we had that I thought, no, they, they know for sure that their job's secure. They have one bad game and all of a sudden mm. they're looking over their shoulder. So that is a real thing that happens with yeah, imports. Some of them get sacked twice during the same season. <laughs> yeah, Jaron Johnson, <laughs> that was incredibly said yes to coming back. Mm. Just a great guy. I hope he's doing well. But Jaron, yeah, for example, he probably knew for a while, wait, Casey Prather and I play a very similar style of game where at a club that is now sitting last on the ladder mm. – that's got a 32-year streak or whatever it was yeah. at the time. So there's guys that probably see the writing on the wall mm-hmm. and despite how hard they try, they're just not getting the results. So you do have a handful of guys who probably think, okay, we're sitting on the bottom of the ladder. And this time of the year, it's predominantly the guys at the bottom of the yeah. ladder. Am I putting enough points on the board or playing my role? How's my relationship with my teammates? So on and so forth. They'd know that. Yep. The other flip side is how the coaches are handling it mm. because you can lose confidence overnight you can't lose skill overnight, but mm-hmm. confidence can affect your skill or your perceived level of skill. And some of these guys potentially aren't having the right systems run for them, yep. potentially are low on confidence, and that may come from how it's being handled behind closed doors. Or they've got niggling injuries they don't want to speak up about yeah. with fear of getting put on a plane. So that relationship right now with your coaches and playing group is incredibly important because I take you back to Kevin Lish. Mm-hmm. Kevin Lish's first year with us, he he thought for sure I'm getting fired. He did. And he had a lot of voices in his yeah. ear saying, you're going to get fired. Yeah, and, and to be honest, Jack Bender probably told him that too. Well, the voice that said you're not getting fired, you don't have to worry about a thing, was the guy we just spoke to, Rob Beveridge. Absolutely. Yep. Bevo said, mate, you're here for the year. I don't care if we finish dead last. While I'm head coach, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he just instilled this confidence into Kev, who was his first year out of college. Mm-hmm. He's got the pressure of being an import. He wanted to be a team guy first. And didn't know anyone in the whole country when he got here. Didn't know anyone. <laughs> and eventually came to, mate, we recruit you for a reason. You're better than what you think you are right now. Go and dominate. We yep. want you to do this, this, and this. And he's gone down to be a two-time league MVP, yep. Olympian, so on and so forth. But Kev Lich was very close to getting fired. And a lot of that was to do with what was in his head yep. and the voices that he shouldn't have been listening to. Now, the two that spring to mind, we spoke to Sean about this last week as well. How long do the Sydney Kings wait to get something out of RJ Hunter and Jalen Adams? Yeah, Sydney are too good of a club with a rich history. Uh to not be in the playoffs or mm. really right there vying for it. they got Angus Glover who's firing at the point yep. guard position and then he's part of their, their future. So it's now, who's our future? How can we win it currently? Are we ticking both those boxes? Mm. I think the young guys are doing a pretty good yep. job. 
but they still want to win this year. Do they have enough right now or are they getting enough? Potentially not. Mm. Uh, and again, until you're behind closed doors and saying, we've put you in the best position to fulfill the job, the role we gave you. If that isn't a yes, yes on both sides, that's when you start having these discussions. Now, after we finished recording last week, we just found out that the Taipans had signed Marshall <laughs> Nelson. So we've seen a lot of him over here. I've seen a lot of him play at the Perth Redbacks in the, the SBL or the NBL1 competition now. I've seen him develop into a, a really co- confident player who's got great athleticism. He can get above the rim. We were talking about who could dunk last week. This guy can can dunk without even trying. He's got he's not tall. He's only six two um, oh generous. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah he six might be one, six he might be six one, but <laughs> he he has enormous hops. He can shoot the ball. Great handles. Great ball handling. So I really like him as a piece, especially when you look at the guys that the Taipans are missing with Machado and Jerick right now. So we saw him play on New Year's Eve. He got a few got a few minutes and got a few few shot, shots up, but He's the exact type of guy who's a great example to anybody that don't give up on your dream. He'd had his one chance at the mm-hmm. Hawks. It might have been easy to give up on it, but he had gone to Europe. He kept playing hard um, here locally, and now he's got another chance, and and he, he might just make the most of it. And because, you know, he wasn't necessarily overlooked by the Wildcats, we mm-hmm. were looking at him uh, from a development point of view, DP role. But, but you look at that roster, and he probably doesn't have a role, does he? And then Illawarra obviously offered him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Went over to Illawarra. You know, wasn't to be, but he's a capable. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was with Bevo. Yeah, coach. it was Bevo's coach. He is a capable player. We actually sat at the game when he played uh, for the SBL One yes, West. We, we, we actually did. went and watched yep. his game, and it was funny. On one side of the court, you got Marshall, all the skill in the world, right there as an NBL fringe player. On the other end of the court, we had Nick Pozzaglu right. for Coburn, yep. who ended up being the Player of the Year in the conference. Both guys, you know, in and around the Wildcats. Both went to Illawarra, mm. and then both were out here playing NBL One West. And because they haven't given up, they've stayed fit, they've stayed in the eyes. This might be the opportunity that Marshall has. Mm. Even when Machado returns, he might do enough in the next five weeks sure. to have another club say, "Hey, I loved what that kid up north did." Well, especially because let's G- bring him in. Jerick's not close to coming back. Jerick, yeah. Jerick might not get back on the court at all this season. Yeah. So there's a spot there. Exactly, and they might, yeah, exactly right, shift him across. Pozzaglu, I think he's NBL ready. If a yep. club gives him a five week chance, maybe he can do the same thing. And sometimes when you get a contract. In your early 20s, mm. you think, okay, this is how it works. I'm going to be in the NBL for the next 10 years. Sometimes being relieved of that contract and let go, that heartbreak is the fire they need lit to realise, okay, I can't take any shortcuts mm. ever. I've got to make the most of this, and I think Marshall will, and I hope someone like a Pozzaglue does as well when and if given the chance. You know what I'm confused about? I look at that type ends team, and there's room for another signing on top of Marshall. So this isn't against Marshall, but why would you not sign Adam Gibson to fill that Scott Machado role right now? Yeah, good question. We had Gibbo on a couple of weeks ago. He's and we fit. will next week. Yeah. It would surprise me if uh, 40 didn't at least think about it. 40 is as smart a coach as there is out there. So whether he reached out to Gibbo and as a no, whether he decided it wasn't the right fit, uh, yeah, who knows? That's a great question. I'd love to maybe try and get Adam Ford mm. on the line. I don't know how much he'll give away, but I might have to sneak him, a, send him a sneaky text mm. and say, when it came down to Marshall v. A. Gibson, what made you lean one way more than the other? Interesting. You might have heard that unfortunate phone ringing there in the background it was another head coach cj bruton trying to he was trying he was trying to trying to do a ring in demo so that's good that's keep moving quickly now we were meant to have a friday night game this adelaide 36ers and perth wildcats game is just destined to not happen it's meant to happen now next wednesday night but before that we've got a few games to look forward to first up saturday um, Tasmania Jack Jumpers, so they they ha- they have one team that hasn't had a break, so they mm-hmm. they've been playing through, so they might be in some rhythm. The Sydney Kings haven't played for a while now. What do you what do you think of this game on Saturday? I think I saw enough from the Jack Jumpers to really like their chances. Magne back, they're mm-hmm. a definite chance, and I think they will get the win. I think they're so close, just going from a four point lead to a twelve and yep. holding on. Uh, but the Sydney Kings, this becomes do or die for them, as far it as does. I'm concerned. Yeah. You just asked me about the imports. I think they've got to be at their best uh, to help guide them to a win. And then the following night, I love our double headers coming up this week. Taipans versus Southeast Melbourne. I think the Phoenix. Yeah, just going to be too big, too strong. Uh, in particular, with that size, uh, I'll take the the Phoenix to get this one. But as we saw, cans in cans. Yep, very, very can tough. And the Phoenix haven't played now for for quite a while, so you never know if that rust can become a become a factor. Um, Sunday doubleheader. Now this could well be the game of the season so far. Mm. The Illawarra Hawks, Melbourne United. I think we all expect them to be, you know, contending for the title and certainly finalists. Um, but neither of them have played for a little while now. Melbourne have. But have been able to keep the momentum going a little bit more. The Illawarra Hawks haven't, haven't played for three weeks, but up until then they were going very nicely with Duop Reith leading the way. Mm. 
What do you expect from this one? Well, that's the matchup I'm most excited for, Duop and Jack White. Sure. I think the Jack White factor is what's going to be the difference here. But Illawarra in Illawarra, I'd pick him nine times out of ten. But for some reason, I am leaning towards a huge defensive effort by Jack White. Mm. And then on the back of that, just the depth they've got still behind. Akil, he's just a scoring machine. Yep, yep. Uh, Dela is just a beast at both ends right now. Goulding, mm. I, I worry who's going to guard Goulding. Yep. Uh, who can shut him down for four quarters. And then and, you've got Caleb Agard. And then I was going to say, and then you've potentially got their best player yeah. to date, or at least yeah. in the last couple of weeks. So I just think that the depth with a Jack White defensive machine on uh, Duop is might going to yeah, lean me to pick uh, Melbourne in this one. Do you give the breakers then any chance against the Brisbane Bullets? And secondly, does Lamar Patterson put his... His team that he didn't have a great time at last season, does he put them to the sword? <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I, I want the breakers so badly to get that first win, but I don't see it happening in Brisbane against a team whose best player or one of his better players had a bad experience mm. against the breakers and he'd be out to point, uh, make, a, make a point. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think the breakers are going to get 0-7. We'll keep going because then Monday night we've got the Phoenix back home in Melbourne um, against the Jack Jumpers. Yeah, Southeast to take care of business at home. Uh, they don't get haven't had many at home so far, so they'll make the most of this one. And just unfortunately, too much, too much depth, too much talent, and we'll see them get a win. Then Tuesday, rescheduled game. This this was cancelled, I think, from from Boxing Day from memory. So we've got the Taipans <laughs> taking on the Bullets, the battle of the of the Queensland teams. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the wing matchups on this one. I know obviously Cairns are depleted with injuries, so that obviously makes me lean towards Brisbane. But you know, Noi, Dang, I can't wait mm. to see how they match up with the likes of a Patterson, uh, Franks. You yeah. know, you've got some superstar Bullet imports, both capable of being in the NBA as far yep. as I'm concerned, yep. versus some of the the young kids into their second and third seasons with the Taipans, and I think ready to show their best basketball, and they're going to be challenged. So I think we've got some of the best import perimeter players versus the best uh, wing players for Cairns. So I'm going to enjoy that matchup, but I'm still favouring the Bullets in this one. Now, when we come back next week, let's hope the Wednesday night game between the 36ers and the Wildcats is still scheduled to go ahead. This is the longest-awaited game in NBL history. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. Hopefully we're talking about it, but who knows, with the year we've had so far, or the season we've had so far, they could, they could be a month away from facing off into each other. We'll talk about it more next week, but I I really feel for Sunday Detch. I, <sighs> I spoke to him I spoke to him yesterday. He was jumping out of his boots to be back on Friday night. He's been <laughs> given the all-clear to play. He was so excited, but in the back of your mind... Or back of his mind, he knew that he spent the afternoon running around getting COVID <laughs> tests with his with his girlfriend. He was waiting for the oh. results. He didn't know what the results would be. He didn't know if this game on Friday night would go ahead. And it won't. So he's now got another week to prepare. Another week for Sunday. Oh, I can't wait to see Sunday out there. What a game to return to. Regarding mm-hmm. Bryce Cotton, our former teammates, good friends off the court. you got one of the best scorers in the league versus one of the best defenders. That in itself is a reason to put your bum on your seat, turn the TV on and watch. But, yeah, another wait. They've got to wait another week and it'll be good to go. Great ambience out here, isn't it, in this studio of ours with big trucks driving past and all sorts, Damo. Now, that's, that's it for this week here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for your insight. Once again, Damo, thanks to Hoop7 for making it possible. Stay tuned later in the week for the Tab Touch preview where I catch up with Maddie Knight. But Damo, how's 22 looking for you to wrap up with? And what would you like to put to Adam Gibson next week when we speak to him? Yeah, to Gibbo, I know we asked him all the questions about why he's not playing. Would he like to continue to play? I want to ask him probably the questions he doesn't want to hear. Worst case scenario, doesn't go ahead. What's your job next year? Because <laughs> uh, I think he belongs in basketball. I'd love to see him as a, a coach. I know he's going down that route, learning a few things with the equipment in particular and the cutting up and scouting. But worst case scenario, don't get caught up. Do we hear a retirement speech? Uh, and then secondly, as far as 2022, let's see that 11th championship for the Perth mm. Wildcats. I don't mind being biased. Uh, they're the team I want to see holding up the trophy. But every week when we go through who's going to win against other teams, it's a tough one. Mm. I think uh, that top five in particular is too hard to separate.